0: Genesis chapter 41 verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed and behold he stood by the river. This is two full years after Joseph has given the interpretation to the baker and the butler. The baker died and the butler was restored back to his old job. Joseph was a slave for a really long time then he went to prison for over two years before pharaoh has this dream so he's been suffering for a long time but he's been faithful this entire time now pharaoh is dreaming too and behold there came up out of the river seven kine and that means seven cows well favored and fat fleshed and they fed in the reed grass Three, and behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. The river means life to Egypt. That's where most of the vegetation is, and that's where they can get water. And next to the river, he first sees seven fat, healthy cows, and then he sees seven skinny, weak cows come up to them. Four, and the ill-favored and the lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine. So Pharaoh awoke. You've probably already noticed that numbers keep repeating in the Bible. Numbers are not prophecy like some people teach. That's actually, it's kind of a form of witchcraft when you use numbers in the Bible to get prophecy. And it's called gematria, and it's actually a form of witchcraft, and it's seeped into the Protestant churches. And so I encourage you, don't get into gematria. It's demonic. But numbers are used in the Bible for meaning so that we can understand a little bit about what we're reading. The number 40 was a number that came up in the flood. It rained for 40 days. 40, in the Bible you'll see over and over that it represents a time in the wilderness. It means a time of testing. So for 40 days Noah and his family were tested. They were in their own wilderness which was being in that boat, wandering from place to place. They didn't really know where they were or where they were going because no one had ever been in, in a boat like that before. They had no clue where they were, so it was their own type of wilderness, and it's a test of the faith. And we'll see the number 40 come up many more times in the Bible, and every time you see the number 40, you'll know that God's people are being tested, their faith is being tested. We've also seen the number seven come up several times, and seven is a number of completion. So it tells us God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh, because on the seventh everything was complete. God waited seven days after Noah entered the ark before God shut the door and the rain started coming down. It was a time of complete mourning for Methuselah, plus it was a time of complete compassion that god had on the world letting them have seven more days to repent but they didn't repent you also notice that the number three came up in the baker and the butler's dreams and three is another number that represents god because father son and holy spirit it's also kind of a number of completion as well god had appointed that in three days the baker would die and the butler would get his job back Now we see the number seven coming up again in Pharaoh's dream because it's a number of completion. There's going to be seven complete years followed by another seven complete years of judgment. So seven complete years of judgment followed by another seven complete years of judgment. Now I want to point out with judgment in the Bible, judgment is usually positive it's not usually negative like we use it in western society we always think judgment means that somebody is getting punished but in the bible more often than not judgment means that the victim is getting vindicated and that's why god says i'm going to judge for the widow and the orphan meaning that he's going to give vindication to the widow and the orphan and anybody who's mistreated so getting back pharaoh he's still dreaming Verse 4, And the ill-favored and the lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine, So Pharaoh awoke. So the skinny cows ate the fat cows. Five, and he slept and dreamed a second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. Six, and behold, seven ears, thin and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. Seven, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So he had two dreams. He woke up after one dream, then he went back to sleep, and in the second dream, he saw seven ears of gorgeous, juicy corn that had grown. Then it was followed by seven disgusting ears of corn that were all dry. You couldn't eat them. They didn't develop. And the seven skinny ears of corn ate the seven lush ears of corn. 8. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Now these kind of wise men are worldly wise. They figured things out on their own, so they're very logical. They're probably learned scholars, but they don't have insight from the Holy Spirit and that's where God's wisdom comes in. You can have all kinds of learning disabilities and be mentally retarded and be the most wise person on the planet because in the Bible, true wisdom comes from God. He teaches it to us as we obey him. So as long as you're obeying God's commandments, you will become more and more wise, but these kind of wise men who worked for Pharaoh were earthly wise. They were using their brain to figure things out, and that kind of wisdom fails. Sometimes the simple-minded people who didn't go to college have the most wisdom because they're relying on God and they're obeying His commands. 9. Then spoke the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I make mention of my faults this day. Now the chief butler remembers Joseph, and he's like, I need to confess I've done wrong. 10. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants. So this is the butler going back in history, telling Pharaoh his story. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and put me in the ward of the house of the captain of the guard, me and the chief baker. 11. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. 12. And there was with us there a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted it to us, our dreams. To each man, according to his dream, he did interpret. 13. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. I was restored unto mine office, and he was hanged. The butler has told Pharaoh the whole story about how they both had dreams, and Joseph was able to interpret their dreams correctly, just as Joseph said, the baker 11. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. Now your raiment is your clothing, so he changed his clothes to something appropriate that he could be presented to the king. When it says he shaved himself, it doesn't mean that he just shaved his beard. He actually shaved his entire body, from the crown of his head to his ankles. He probably shaved his eyebrows. The Egyptians hated hair. The Egyptians thought hair was disgusting. What they would do is they'd shave their entire bodies and wear wigs, especially if they were like upper class. And that's what you see in the images is you see shaved bodies that are wearing wigs. They were a very body conscious society. They were into pecs and abs and all that stuff, as you can see by their depictions. They loved showing their bodies off. Western culture is also very body conscious, and we also have a fear of hair. And it's because we overshave as well, and it's because we're trying to show off the body. So it shows how kind of evil their society was and how evil our society is, that we've turned human beings into sex objects. But the Egyptians also didn't like the facial hair, they didn't like the hair on the head, they didn't like the eyebrows, and then they would put paint on. There's a good chance that Joseph also painted his eyes before he went before Pharaoh, and that when he worked for Potiphar, this is how he looked. The raiment he put on was probably something appropriate for being in front of a king, just like what he would have worn to work for Potiphar, and it was probably provided to him. So when Joseph was in prison, he looked like a Hebrew. But when he worked for Potiphar, and when he appeared before Pharaoh, he looked like an Egyptian. 15 And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee, that when thou hearest a dream, thou canst interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So again, Joseph doesn't claim to be a prophet, he doesn't claim to be all-knowing, he doesn't claim to have any special gift, he just claims by faith that God will provide the interpretation. And that's how you and I should be. We should believe and receive everything by faith, but we shouldn't think that we're special because God gave us a dream or an interpretation or a miracle or answered a prayer. That doesn't make you and I special. But a lot of people, unfortunately, act like they're prophet so-and-so or whatever just because God made a miracle in their life. But God will do a miracle for anybody who believes. 17. And Pharaoh spoke unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the brink of the river. 18. And behold, there came up out of the river seven kine, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in the reed grass. 19. And behold, seven other kine came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. 20. And the lean and ill-favored kine did eat up the first- seven fat kind, twenty one. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill favored as at the beginning, so I awoke. So Pharaoh is saying, When the skinny cows ate the fat cows, the skinny cows did not get fat. They stayed skinny. And you'll see that with Joseph's interpretation, this is perfectly explained. Twenty-two, and I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up upon one stalk, full and good. Twenty-three, and behold, seven ears, withered thin and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. Twenty-four, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears, and I told it unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me magic is tricks it's optical illusions it tricks you into thinking you're seeing something that you're not seeing miracles are from god and they're genuine and they're real and something actual happens so satan loves magic He encourages people to get into magic, which is always tricks. It's always a light show, it's a laser beam, it's done with ropes and pulleys and screens and smoke, and all this kind of stuff that simply tricks your senses, and people get into that. And that's so ridiculous, and it's satanic, because it's mocking miracles, which are from God. When God does a miracle, your mortgage gets paid your leg gets healed, your broken heart gets restored, you come out of addiction. Those are miracles, but Satan wants us to get all focused on magic. Magic is nothing but entertainment, and it's demonic entertainment. But miracles are from God. 25 And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. What God is about to do, he hath declared unto Pharaoh. In the Bible, a lot of times God will say something twice when it's determined, and it will not change, no matter what you do. So he gave Pharaoh the same type of dream twice to show Pharaoh this will happen. 26, and the seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. So God has made a judgment that for seven years, this one thing will happen. 27. And the seven lean and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And also the seven empty ears blasted with east wind. They shall be seven years of famine. 28. That is the thing which I spoke unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do he hath shown unto Pharaoh. Joseph is saying that there will be seven good years where there's plenty of food to eat, and that's a judgment of seven good years. Followed by that is another judgment of seven bad years of famine where there's no food. There will be so much famine that it will swallow up the seven good years, meaning that the people will have to eat what they made in the seven good years, and they'll still be hungry. They'll still be starving. The seven good years won't be enough to make up for the seven bad years, is what Joseph is saying, 29. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. 30. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. 31. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine which followeth, for it shall be very grievous. And grievous means causing you a lot of pain. So no one's going to remember the fat years when the lean years come. 32, and for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. So whenever God tells you something twice, you better listen. Jesus in the Bible would often say, verily, verily, I tell you the truth. And verily means truly. So he's saying, truly, truly, I tell you the truth. It isn't that God changes his mind, but sometimes we repent, so God holds back on his judgment. But when he says something twice, he's not going to hold back on his judgment. It's determined. 33. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. 34. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint overseers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven years of plenty. A fifth is twenty percent. 35. And let them gather all the food of these good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh for food in the cities, and let them keep it. 36. And the food shall be for a store to the land, against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. So Joseph says the seven years of plenty, we're going to have so much, that if we save just twenty percent of all of that for the whole seven years, then that'll be enough to feed us during the seven years of famine. So this is going to be a lot of plenty. 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And notice God is going to namely use corn to feed them. Corn back then was better than corn today. The corn that you and I get from the grocery store is GMO'd, it's planted in soil that can never refresh, and all the nutrients are taken out. Yeah, we get some nutrients in corn, but not much. But back in ancient times, corn was highly nutritious. They could live on corn, and corn is mentioned in the Bible a lot as being a staple food for millennia throughout the Bible history. 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Pharaoh is saying to his courtiers, Is there anybody like Joseph who has the Spirit of God? The rest of you guys, you guys only have magic, but this guy has the Spirit of God in him. 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou. So now Pharaoh is saying, You're the one. You have real wisdom that my other courtiers don't have. 40. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. So Pharaoh says, you can't tell me what to do, but you can tell everybody else what to do. Joseph's life is a type of Jesus, meaning it foreshadows Jesus Christ to come. This is one example. The Father gave the Son all power under heaven and earth, and the Son is Jesus Christ. Here, Pharaoh is giving Joseph all power in Egypt. And we've already seen that the prison guard gave Joseph all power over the prisoners. Potiphar gave Joseph all power over Potiphar's personnel. So it's been three times now that a man above Joseph, who symbolizes Father God, has given Joseph authority over everybody else. And Joseph symbolizes Jesus, who has authority over everybody. 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. 42 And Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand, and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. So now Pharaoh is dressing Joseph up, probably dressing him better than any of the other courtiers. And he gave him his signet ring, which you know means business. The kings use the signet ring to sign documents. It has a little design on it, symbolizing Pharaoh, and then you just press it in wax, and then that wax will have the design, and you can seal a letter with it, or a document. 43. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him, Abrek. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. And I guess scholars believe it means kneel down whenever joseph is out riding in the chariot whenever he comes near the people they will instantly kneel 44 and pharaoh said unto joseph i am pharaoh and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of egypt and father god says to jesus no man comes to me except through you 45 and pharaoh called joseph's name Zephaneth penea and he gave him to wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of An. And Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. She's the daughter of, of a high priest of Egypt. And in a previous chapter, I said that she was a princess. Maybe she's not technically a princess, but she basically lives the life of a princess. So now Joseph has married a woman who is a daughter of, of a high priest of Egypt. So Joseph is now rich. He's part of the palace family. 46 And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. So Joseph has suffered a long time because remember he was 17 years old when his brothers kidnapped him and sold him into slavery. And he's now 30 years, which means for 13 years, he was a slave and then a prisoner. That's a long time to suffer, but he remained faithful throughout the whole time. He never felt sorry for himself. He wanted out, he wanted justice, for himself but he never let it stop him from blessing other people serving other people having faith in God doing hard work you know he blessed the Baker and the uh, Butler because the Baker had time to repent before he died because the Baker knew that he was going to die he blessed Potiphar when he took care of Potiphar's house he blessed the prison guard when he took care of the prisoners and he blessed all the prisoners He even blessed Potiphar's wife from preventing her from sinning with him. He was a blessing to everybody he met. He was a blessing to Potiphar's servants. Now he's going to be a blessing to all the people in Egypt and Pharaoh. He accepts where God has placed him, and he's going to do his best just like always. He doesn't let anything change his faith. His faith remains constant, no matter what happens to him, whether he's rich, whether he's poor, whether he's a slave, whether he's free, whether people love him, whether people hate him. None of that changes his faith. forty seven And in the seven years of plenty the earth brought forth in heaps. So there was heaps of food. 48. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. 49. And Joseph laid up corn as the sand of the sea, very much until they left off numbering, for it was without number. Laying up means putting in store. He's putting in store all kinds of food. So they're probably dehydrating meat, dehydrating fruit, canning fruit. They had glass back then. So they could can fruit if they wanted to. But the thing they stored the most of was corn. That was the top food, the staple that they had hordes and hordes of it. If you've ever heard of Ron Wyatt, he was an amateur archaeologist, but he had the Spirit of God in him too. So he found a lot of these things that we've already discussed in Genesis. He found Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go to Sodom and Gomorrah today and see the sulfur balls are still there. You can actually pick up the sulfur balls that are still there and you can light them on fire. They still burn. And Ron Wyatt found the storehouses of Egypt. There's a lot of other stuff that he found that's in the Old Testament. But what Ron Wyatt noticed was they would would dump the corn from the top, but they would take it out from the bottom. And there was distribution booths at the bottom of this huge massive vault. And that's where the people would sit with the desk and distribute and decide who gets what. 50. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the year of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of An, bore unto him. So now Joseph has two sons by his wife. 51. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. So Manasseh means to forget. Forget hardship. 52. And the name of the second called Ephraim, for God hath made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So Ephraim means fruitful. Remember, Joseph's name means increase. So Ephraim is fruitful, which is very similar to increase. And later on, we're going to see that even though Ephraim is the second born son, he's going to get the blessing of the first born, just like we always keep seeing time after time first is last and the last is first. So Ephraim is going to get the better blessing. And his name matches, the meaning is almost the same, as his father's name. 53 And the seven years of plenty that was in the land of Egypt came to an end. 54 And the seven years of famine began to come, according as Joseph had said. And there was famine in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. All the nations around Egypt, they ran out of food. But because Joseph was in charge of Egypt, Egypt still had food. 55. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith you do. So Pharaoh says, Joseph's in charge, go to him and tell him you want bread. 56. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses, and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine was sore in the land of Egypt. So now Joseph is selling food to the people. 57 and all countries came unto Egypt to Joseph to buy corn because the famine was sore in all the earth. So during those 7 years of plenty, that was a lot of planning because Joseph can not only now sell corn to his own people, but he can sell corn to foreigners as well. And that's where we leave Joseph at the end of chapter 41.